good afternoon. My name is Rich, and I'm a grateful member of Al-Anon. Um, thank you. I just want to thank the um, um, Madam Chair and uh, her team, as well as uh, the courage to ask me to uh, come here today. <clears throat> I think if um, I had known all the information at once, I probably would have said no. Um, you know, like, um, would you like to speak at the Winter Conference? And I said, sure. When is it? And they said, um, well, it's, you know, February 28th, which was a week after I was going to be gone for vacation, which to me put me into a... How's that? Is that better? Is that better? Okay. <clears throat> Thank you, Mary. That's spoken with experience. Oh, okay. Thank you, Dixie. <clears throat> you see, I did ask a group of people to st- to make sure that they're strategically placed across the room so I can look out and see some familiar faces, and I'm grateful for that. Um, but um, I did get a call back um, later, and um, as a matter of fact, I think it was Dixie who told me uh, that there would be about 350 people. Uh, <laughs> and uh, fortunately, it had already been agreed to before I got that information. I was planning on maybe about 50 or so. But um, anyways, I... Um, Before I came in uh, this afternoon, I was in the back parking lot, and um, I was standing looking at the beautiful sun, and um, uh, we haven't seen the sun in a number of days, and uh, it was just great to to be there. And, um, you know, I was talking to God, and I said, God, uh, work through me without me. And... um, I think uh, that's what I've learned in Al-Anon, that as long as I get out of the way, uh, then I'm okay. But uh, when I need to, uh, you know, get in front and feel like it's me, that's when I'm in trouble. And that's when the disease of alcoholism uh, rears its ugly head. Um, My story of the beginning, uh, I'd like to start with... um, that my first Al-Anon meeting uh, was back in Cambridge, Massachusetts, a few 24 hours ago. Uh, it was actually 1979. And um, I recall the uh, speaker uh, quite vividly uh, brought uh, four uh, teddy bears with him to speak. And he looked at the four teddy bears and he said, this one is my grandfather. This one is my father. This one is me. And this one is my son. And I'll never forget that. Uh, If there's one message that you take away from my lead today, that is this is a family disease. That everyone in that family uh, is affected by the disease of alcoholism. Uh, I grew up with alcohol. 
Uh, I consider myself an adult child of an alcoholic. Uh, I have uh, individuals in my immediate family who are in AA. Uh, I have extended members of my family uh, in AA. Uh, I have lost extended members of my family from the use and abuse of alcohol. Uh, I had one cousin die in South Boston on the streets because of the use and abuse of alcohol. And when I walked into Al-Anon, I didn't have a clue. I heard someone say, uh, I didn't know, I didn't know. Uh, And that was me. Uh, I came into Al-Anon because my girlfriend, who is now my wife's mother, drinking, followed her. I came into Al-Anon hoping to learn how to support my girlfriend. I didn't have a clue that my life was even touched by alcoholism. Now, I heard Mary this morning talk about uh, her heritage. Mine is Irish, Catholic. Now, it's not a requirement for membership. But it certainly helps. And, uh, but it was just, it was normal. And, uh, you know, there's one, there's only one thing better than an Irish wedding. It's an Irish wake. Or Irish funeral. And, um, but it was just, you know, the way, it was just life. Uh, when we had any kind of family events, when family members would come over, when neighbors would, you know, come together, it was alcohol. And it typically was the center of all the other activities that went on. And uh, somehow, um, growing up in alcohol, with alcoholism, you get that. You get that something is more important than you. You don't know what it is. I wish someone, again, you know, would knock on the hello. <clears throat> There's alcohol in your home. But no one told me. And so I thought it was me. I thought there was just some, you know, these crazy people acting the way they are. And, um, it, um, and it's a baffling and insidious disease because it takes a long time. And it progresses. And uh, the behaviors, uh, growing up in that home, I uh, grew up in a two-family home in the Boston area, and um, my grandparents lived on the top floor, and we lived on the first floor. And um, if you looked at this home, uh, my grandmother, God rest her soul, and was a wonderful woman, um, Every evening, the shades went down, and every morning before sunrise, the shades went up, and they all matched the same way across the house. And the lawn in the front of the house, I remember my grandfather, whose nickname was Packy, and I'll get into that one, uh, used to hand clip those lawn blades that were too long or out of, you know, what the other blades were. And I just thought this was a normal behavior. 
you know, that this was just the way it worked. And, um, you know, wonderful, wonderful people. But my grandfather had a problem. And uh, I later found out uh, that that problem was alcohol. And um, I do remember that uh, we had a power uh, up in their uh, home. And you would go in and, and there was a great big red velvet chair sitting in and there was a piano uh, in that room. But it was off the, the living room and um, no one was really allowed to be there except my grandfather. And he would normally shut the lights off and be in and you could hear the ice in the glass. And so he was he would go off and do his drinking alone with the family there, but he was just removed. And um, so I realized that my mother grew up with alcoholism, and she was an adult child of an alcoholic. And so when she went to marry, uh, she married someone who uh, loved alcohol. And uh, we didn't know it. Uh, because we had an alcoholic who lived next door to us, you see. And um, you could walk home from school and you'd see him, you know, he'd be passed out on the front lawn. And it, it was very easy to spot. And I said, that's what an alcoholic, I know what an alcoholic, and my father is not that. And, uh, but um, over a period of time, it was very common for a uh, half gallon of gin to be on the, uh, in the kitchen, out, and it was just a common sight. In each, over a period of time, uh, my father used to work, and uh, he'd come home at night, and that's when his drinking uh, really was active, and he drank in the home. And um, each evening, um, what started out to be a glass about this big, you know, soon became this big, which became this big, and I mean, I don't even know where he gets these, you know, Glasses, but uh, I mean it was huge. <laughs> and but I didn't know. I mean I just didn't know. I just thought, well, okay. And um, and of course he would drink far into the night after we went to bed. And um, what was interesting for me is that my father held on, held on to uh, a job, and um, he was always there for sports events. Uh, I played hockey growing up for, uh, in school, and. Um, he would always bring me uh, to uh, the hockey games, but we didn't talk. And uh, many times I wish he wasn't there because it frightened me. I didn't know what to talk to him about. And I realized today, uh, having a son, what that's all about. You know, one of the greatest joys and one of the greatest uh, fears is looking into my son's eyes and loving him just for who he is and allowing him to love me just the way I am. And um, I know what that's about, but when alcohol gets poured over it, it becomes very confusing. Um, my, um, my sister's uh, drinking bothered me uh, when I was young. Actually, her drinking never really quite bothered me. I enjoyed her drinking. Uh, she was a fun drunk. And um, but uh, it was when she was in sobriety. Boy, that was tough. Uh, those first two years were very tough. 
And uh, she was, uh, but I didn't know. Again, I didn't have any program. I didn't know what that was all about. It had nothing at all to do with me. And, um, but um, what also came uh, into our home was uh, illness. Uh, my mother uh, came uh, down with uh, uh, cancer and eventually died from cancer. And um, it was, uh, I think, that trauma within our family, we just didn't have the coping mechanisms to deal with or to even ask for help outside the home. And it wasn't until really the end where hospice, we even allowed hospice representatives to come in and help. And um, and uh, that was, uh, to me, uh, very difficult. I, um, I was the youngest uh, of four. And uh, I was uh, really... Um, supposed to die at, at childbirth and, you know, for a struck of whatever. Um, maybe God wanted me to speak here in Ohio. <laughs> I'll get him back for that one. And, uh, but um, anyways, I just, I, I was very uh, attached um, at a young age. And, um, but I do remember uh, when she was in the hospital, um, and she di- when she died, um, I was sitting at the bed. And uh, it was years later that I realized that that was not my place to be there. But in the moment, I believed it was. And I think that's the tragedy in alcoholism, is that all the roles, all the relationships get all muddled. And um, I, for some reason, felt that I, uh, I was more important in that home. Because I was there, I was doing, I was helping, uh, and I was building the relationships. And uh, so I thought it was my right. And um, I've, I've made amends in, in different ways to my dad around that. Uh, I've never really vocalized that to him. Maybe someday I will. But um, it was all those relationships that I pushed him out. Because I didn't want him there. Um, the uh, I went into one of my uh, uh, sort of attention getters was um, sports as well as school. Uh, I was very smart, uh, and I was blessed with uh, uh, a decent intellect. <clears throat> of course, for those of you carrying on a conversation with me, you might think something else. But uh, it. Uh, but I, I just, I excelled at school and I loved it. And I think part of it, looking back, is that it was a great escape for me. Uh, I was totally involved uh, with, with school and it just came natural to me, and especially mathematics. I mean, I just excelled in it. And, um, and I got a lot of attention. I was able to, you know, go on to school. Um, but um, I also... Um, uh, took on uh, a paper route when I was very young. Um, actually, I was eight years old. And um, I sort of inherited it. It was my brother's paper route. And, um, you know, I look back and say, gee, you know, that was good. But I also think of my son, who's five, and saying, gee, you know, just in three years, is he going to be going out delivering newspapers? You know, was there something wrong with that? And, you know, I still struggle with that. But I say, gee, part of it was just I wanted my own independence. I saw it as an opportunity to get a little bit of money. And um, so I enjoyed it. And, um, 
and, and that was a way for me to start creating, you know, uh, at a very young age, my own spending money because I really couldn't depend upon it in the home. But unfortunately, uh, no one really taught me how to take care of finances. So my way of doing finances was to just bring them bring it home, put it in the bureau, and then as I need it, I would just take it. And, um, I, you know, I hate to tell you how long I did that uh, through my uh, adult life. And uh, it really wasn't until uh, I graduated from college where I really sought help to help me with my finances. Uh, let me uh, see. I know there's... Um, some other things I wanted to, to, to talk about, but um, growing up, um, I think for me, uh, the biggest um, thing on uh, issue with alcoholism is one, I wasn't, I didn't feel I was enough. Uh, today, uh, I was preparing to come here, and um, I said, you know, well, I'm not sure what I wanted to wear. And um, I started into an old habit that I used to get, and that was lay out about ten different things and totally overwhelm myself and confuse myself and say no. And I just had to sit down and pray and say, God, help me to believe I am enough. That uh, it's not about how I look or what you know, how many laughs I get. It's just I'm here to send a message or to give a message to someone who needs to hear it. And, uh, you know, I've, I've learned, I've, I've grown so much in Al-Anon, but um, it's, uh, I didn't know that. I thought it was more important on how you looked. It was more important that you smiled. It was more important that, you know, when people asked you how you were, you said, great, and, you know, fine in you. And um, I didn't know about feelings. I mean, I just didn't. If you asked me how I was or what I was feeling, I couldn't tell you. And uh, so, um, anyways, I, I met uh, this uh, wonderful, beautiful um, woman. And uh, she um, was uh, as busy at the time as I was. I was... I was in college uh, full-time, working um, almost 30 hours a week, uh, 25, 30 hours a week. Uh, I had a byline uh, in the student newspaper at college. Uh, I was president of our student association. Um, I was a uh, government representative for the business school, and uh, I was carrying a very... Uh, heavy workload, and uh, doing very well with grades. And I thought that was quite normal. And here I saw someone who was basically doing the same, working two jobs, uh, full-time, then part-time, then going to school part-time, then taking ballet, then involved in this association. I said, wow, I mean, geez, I have met my match. Had, had, had no clue that her life was as much impacted by alcoholism as mine. And uh, 
But uh, we, we kind of raised each other. We met when uh, I was, uh, I guess I was 17, 18 at the time. And uh, so we sort of raised each other. And um, we, uh, when my mom uh, got very sick um, and uh, I took a year off from college um, that year, and uh, we moved in together. And um, it, was, uh, it was an interesting uh, relationship that was created between me and my uh, father-in-law uh, at the time uh, because she, you see, is also Irish Catholic, the apple of his eye. And uh, he was not very excited about the idea of his daughter uh, leaving home with me. And, um, you know, but uh, it's taken a while. Uh, we, uh, the good news is that we just spent uh, several weeks together uh, down in Florida and uh, we spent time together. And uh, there was a time when he wouldn't sit in the same room with me. And there was a time when I would, if I saw him walking down the, the road, I'd look the other way. And, um, but these are kind of the things that uh, alcoholism creates because you don't build the skills on dealing with those issues and getting them out and talking them through. Um, but uh, that was really when uh, Trisha's mom's uh, drinking uh, progressed. Um, and uh, so she, uh, one night, uh, just bursted into tears. And I said, well, what's wrong? You know, and she said, oh, you know, I, I just talked to my mother the other day. And she's, you know, all blurry over the phone. And uh, I just, you know, I, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, what are you talking about? You know, now, meanwhile, I have observed this woman almost passed out in the living room, and I'm, again, clueless on what was going on. And um, she said she just drinks too much. And I said, you know, my, my aunt, uh, who grew up in the same home as I did, is that better? Uh, is in a, something called Alcoholics Anonymous. Why don't we talk to her? And so we did. <clears throat> And um, and she said, you know, it's a great meeting that uh, you may want to check out. And uh, she was the one who took us to our first Al-Anon meeting. And, uh, and uh, you know, I walked in again. My focus was totally on her. And... Um, but uh, one thing, one gift, uh, in addition to uh, the speaker, was um, that uh, I won this little book at that meeting. And uh, the one day at a time in Al-Anon, or what we generally refer to as ODAP. And uh, when I was, the, the, it was the craziness was so bad or the pain was so bad, I would reach for this little book and read it. And I think that was really the blessing for me uh, and really the beginning of my Al-Anon because I was too anxious to go to many Al-Anon meetings. When I would go, I would stand up, I'd walk out, I'd go, you know, go somewhere else, sit down, you know, walk out. Someone would say something I didn't like, I'd leave. And uh, now my biggest fear my biggest fear was that you'd get me. That these crazy people would get me. And, uh, and here I am speaking at a conference. I think that's funny. You got me. Thank God. 
And, uh, but it's, um, I, uh, that, that really, we, we moved out of the area, um, and lived in Ohio for a while, and we moved to New Jersey. I, I don't want to go through the number of geographic cures that we had, but the, you know, the sense of just not being enough, uh, drove me. Uh, the sense of wanting to or feeling I needed to do more uh, drove me to be always looking for something else. I never felt that I was enough or I had enough. I always needed more. I needed to do more. And um, I brought my wife with me. And um, today... I've, or I don't do that. I don't feel like I, I, I want to run the minute something comes up, even though that's my first instinct to leave. It's funny, I had a, uh, uh, a nickname from my father growing up, and he called me the Phantom. See, because whenever he was around, I wasn't. And it would be very easy for me to be invisible around him. And that's kind of how I related to people in the world is that if you say something or do something that I don't like, I'm out of here. You know, and that was the chip. You know, that somehow I'm better than you because I felt so less than. And if there's something that was going on that I just couldn't deal with, I was out of there. And uh, I did. I, you know, I changed jobs, changed, changed companies, changed houses, sold, bought, you know. And... Um, Realized that I was just really running from from me, and uh, that's when I really the pain got so bad uh, that that's when I really came back into Alan for me for starting to go to meetings and and uh, I didn't I didn't quite know exactly but I knew that what Alan had I wanted um, and um, I started going to meetings in Cambridge. And uh, they were wonderful meetings, the kind of meetings that you just dump everything in the middle of the room. I mean, just dump, 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 dump. And I needed to do that. I needed to go and just, you know, lay it all out. And uh, a lot of my anger uh, was directed at my dad, uh, a lot of my rage. And uh, I, there was a period of time when I couldn't have interaction with him. Uh, or if it was, it was very limited. Visiting, uh, it had to be on my terms, you know, certain times, and within an hour I was gone. And uh, that was okay, that's what I needed to do. And um, then I kind of graduated to those meetings that you hear of that people have a little bit more recovery. And uh, there were individuals, and not that the others didn't, but it was a different approach. They were into the steps and into the traditions and and, and into recovery. And um, there were uh, such people that we refer to as the go- my god ladies. And um, I'll, ne- I'll, I'll never forget um, one. I was um, sitting in a, in a meeting and uh, it was over in Watertown and it was a Monday night and uh, I uh, it was snowing out and I came in, and I was a little bit late, and I just sat down, and I looked around me, 
And um, I was in a fog. I was totally in a fog. And uh, I had been coming around to meetings pretty regularly for about maybe a year at that point. And, um, but all around me was like a puddle of water. And I got it, that I was starting to dethaw. I was starting to melt. It was starting to get to me. I just, I could see it very clearly. And uh, I just started to cry. And uh, a woman reached over and she put her hand on my lap and she said, everything's going to be okay. And um, God's going to take care of you. And um, I never heard that. And if I did, I wouldn't listen. And I was ready. And um, it was uh, it was an incredible thing. I I, I started to uh, someone say that it's important to get into service, and I started to get into service. Um, I remember there was one uh, individual, uh, God bless him, uh, Johnny. He'd been around for a long time, and <clears throat> I agreed to get the coffee ready. And uh, now one of the things that I I'm challenged with is to be uh, to be able to um, uh, put enough uh, activity into one hour to cram enough activity into one hour that kind of reflects eight hours of work. And because of that, uh, I have a history of kind of running a few minutes behind. And um, <laughs> so I'd, I'd get to the meeting and I'd have all the coffee or the tea. I'd buy, you know, the the sugar, so I'd have all cookies and stuff. But the coffee would always be made. Am I, am I hitting that? Yeah, we just need a little mask of tape. Yeah. And um, so uh, I, um, and I realized uh, it was actually several years later that um, <clears throat> Was it good for you? <laughs> I I I love I love Joe Dilly. Uh but uh it's but I realized a number of years ago that he would come early and he would set up and the newcomers who were kind of overwhelmed by doing so he'd go in and do the the coffee. He'd get it all ready so that by the time I would get there, it would be all set up for me. And he'd just sit over, you know, across. And I never knew who did it. I never knew, you know, why. But And for me, that really showed me what service is all about. To just, in a gentle way, not in a splashy way, just put yourself out for another Al-Anon member. And um, I really learned a lot um, from from him, I uh, I then uh, started to you know uh, get into the steps, uh, and we had wonderful step meetings. Um, we'd read from the twelve and twelve, uh, sometimes till I could recite every paragraph in the twelve and twelve. But um, it was just slowly but surely, and um, uh, I was thawing uh, out. I. Uh, I uh, agreed to be a GR uh, at a, um, my home group, which was a wonderful experience. And uh, but going to uh, area meetings, um, you know, I really learned a lot 
around principles about personality. See, I thought you're supposed to have it all together uh, and you're supposed to apply all the traditions and the principles of the program when you get in. And people are people. And um, But I also realized that uh, I don't have to agree with everybody. And I just need to voice my opinion and also voice the opinion of the, my group. And, um, and that was just a wonderful experience. Um, I, um, what, one of the, the, the biggest uh, fears of mine was uh, children, um, having children. Uh, I had vowed that uh, I would not do the same things that was done in my home or apply the same kind of ways. And uh, there was a, a long period of time that if, you know, I recognized a certain behavior that I would do the opposite. You know, kind of. If, uh, if I recognized something in me that reminded me of my dad, uh, I would do the opposite. And what I realized was that it's the same behavior. It's the exact same. 180 degrees behavior is the same behavior. And it took me a long time to realize that and kind of walk through that. And um, But one of them was around um, uh, being enough to be a father. And there was a group of us... Um, and Alan on that, you know, kind of started around this, this uh, similar times. And, uh, you know, they, some of them met in Alan on and got married and started to have children. And so um, one of my biggest fears was uh, changing a baby's diaper. And uh, I was the youngest, and I just didn't have experience around it. And I was just so fearful. And so it was in Alan on that uh, I would go to a meeting. And someone would say, would you like to hold the baby? And um, I would hold the baby. And uh, I'd say, would you mind if I could change their diaper? <laughs> and this is, sure. <laughs> and, uh, but, I mean, they knew me. And they knew my story. And um, so, and, of course, they were very supportive. And, um, but just the, that was the hope for me was that someday that maybe we could also have children. And we did. We have two children. Uh, I have a five-year-old son who's wonderful uh, and a seven-month-old daughter who many of you have met. Uh, she's a regular at one of the meetings. And, um, but um, just uh, being able to uh, be open um, and to to be available uh, to my son today, I brought him to uh, basketball practice. I came here. I wanted to check out the room, you see, and um, and listen listen a little bit to Mary's lead. And then I brought him to his basketball uh, practice. And uh, but I tried to talk with him, and uh, it's such a gift for me. But it's it's a challenge. It's a challenge to open myself out, to be intimate and close to someone who I just love beyond anything and would do anything for. And, um, but um, it's just that whole thing of, you know, if he just gets too close, then he'll really know what a screw-up I am. 
I mean, just so too close to me. And uh, it's just at some level, and it's just, you know, each day I just say, God, help me. You know, it's like, you know, an alcoholic has removed my desire to drink, you know, for 24 hours. To me, it's that remove that, you know, put down for myself, that I'm enough. I'm a child of God, born of dignity and grace, and you want what's good for me in my life. And um, so... Um, Jason has uh, has really brought so much. Uh, he's a uh, um, he teaches me so much about myself. You know, he just he's just so you know free with his himself. He'll just you know show up and start you know dancing or juggling, and I'm saying you know I need to do that more often. And it's just, or if, you know, he's upset about something, you know, and they have these wonderful little block things. I don't even know what to call them, but they're feeling boxes for children and that children can put different faces on if they're feeling happy or sad or angry and uh, or disappointed. Or there's a whole range of them, and it's like... <laughs> It's wonderful because it helps you put a label on how you feel, what's going on, what's you know going on in your life. And um, to me, I learn by using that. You know, I'll go to him and say, "Gee, Rich, how are you feeling?" But, you know, or just or with you know my son, and he'll you know be playing with it or doing something, and you know I'll be thinking in my own mind, you know, what's going on with me today. And uh, it's such a gift. Um, the um, sort of the apple of my eye um, is, uh, you know, just uh, I'll, I'll come home uh, and uh, she'll just whip her head over and smile at me and I'm just putty in her hands. Uh, my daughter is just wonderful and uh, just such a joy. And uh, it's, uh, you know, part of me, it, it sometimes can be so overwhelming because I'm you know, I feel so res- sometimes so responsible uh, that these are gifts to me uh, to care for uh, temporarily. Uh, that they are really children of God, and uh, they are on loan to me, um, and to help nurture and support. And um, but I'll tell you, you know, there's no experience like um, a father looking into his daughter's eyes. I just had no clue. How joyful that could be! And um, today, I, before I came here, we went out for a walk together, and um, it was just—it um, was a wonderful experience, uh, just to be in the moment, to look in her eyes, to smile, to get you know some feedback. And to me, the you know the disease of alcoholism almost robbed me of that. If I did not find Alan on, I'm not sure if I had—I would have had children, quite frankly. I probably would have run. I'm not sure if I would have uh, stayed with uh, with with Trish, or I probably would have uh, been uh, created some kind of crisis that would have pushed her out of my life. Um, but uh, you know, the good news is is that uh, that's not uh, what's going on today. Um, I heard at a meeting that. Uh, um, it's important um, to create a safe haven 
uh, in your home. And uh, it really challenged me to think about our home and think about what it is uh, that, uh, that we've created. You know, kind of a place where you can come home and lick your wounds and take care of yourself, nurture yourself, sort of get back on recovery. And uh, um, just to, um, Trisha and I have, have talked quite a bit over the years on it and uh, about it. And uh, it's, uh, I'm not always successful. Uh, but um, it's it's something that we work towards um, one day at a time. But uh, that's sometimes the hardest, uh, you know. Building building or working recovery uh, is easy sometimes when someone doesn't know you, or is easier sitting in an Al-Anon room or a convention or talking through or on the phone. But man, when someone walks through the door and uh, is in a, you know, not a great mood, it's a little more difficult, a little more challenging. And um, I think the hope for me is that Al-Anon provides me with the tools. Uh, I find the traditions to be an enormous help in our home uh, in dealing with one another. Uh, It's just, uh, um, you know, uh, unity. Um, was not something that I learned uh, in, in in my home. It just it was schism. You know, you had your your side of the war, or, and they were the enemy. You were right; they were wrong. And um, the more allies you got, uh, the more power you had. And uh, and Alanon has taught me to let go of that. That I don't have to be right. Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't even have to show up for every argument that I'm invited to. <laughs> Imagine that. And that uh, no thank you is a full sentence. And when I, I can say no. And uh, that is such a gift for me. It was... Um, <clears throat> I was anxious when I came here to say, my God, you know, what, uh, what am I going to talk about for a full hour? And, um, you know, Trish said, well, you know, just talk about me. <coughs> <laughs> she said, but I want to come back and have a five-minute rebuttal. So, but uh, there was a time when I could tell you everything about her, everything that was wrong about her, everything that was right about her, everything that was wonderful about her. But ask me about me, and I just didn't have a clue. And uh, you, you've given that to me. You've, you've given me a life where I can see uh, my shortcomings, but I can also see the talents that I have. Uh, my first um, sponsor in, in the program, um, it, was, it was interesting. I'm going to tell this story, but um, I was to meet... Uh, a friend of mine in program um, at uh, it was actually at Harvard University. They used to have noontime meetings, wonderful, wonderful meetings. And uh, it was uh, Martin, Luther, Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Uh, day, and the university was closed, and I was running a little bit late, and uh, he had evidently gone. And so I said, "Now what am I going to do? My God, you know, I need a meeting." And um, I went way 
out to western part of, uh, well, it was about 20 minutes west of Boston, and a wonderful meeting uh, in Concord called Serenity. And uh, there was a whole group of uh, God ladies, basically, and one man in that group. And uh, that's when I really learned, uh, Al and I, I went to that meeting for over a year and uh, learned so much. But um, anyways, I was carrying around uh, the sponsorship uh, pamphlet, little blue and gray pamphlet, and uh, thinking about, you know, asking somebody, but not quite doing it, and trying to check out and qualify who would, you know, be eligible <clears throat> for this monumental task and, uh, you know, my own self-importance. And, um, but I went up and um, I was just, you know, in a lot of pain and, and crying. And, you know, in the break, this gentleman came up to me and said, you know, hi, you know, my name is John. Welcome. And we started to talk. And he, and he said, well, you know, why don't I give you my number? And if, you know, you want to call me fine. If not, fine. So I said, great. Well, the only piece of paper that I had on me was this little pamphlet. So I whipped this out. I said, well, you know, here. Yeah. And uh, so he, he wrote his name down the back of it. And um, I, I went home. And uh, for several days, of course, I didn't call him. And things got worse. And, you know, I just uh, started to go south. And um, the phone rang. And uh, he said, "Hey, Rich, this is John. How you doing?" And I said, "Wow, I can't, you know, can't believe." Blah, blah, blah. But I just, I knew, you know, when uh, for me uh, the uh, awakenings are when I can clearly see when God sends someone or brings someone into my life. It's just so clear, and uh, that was one of those moments. Uh, in the deepest despair, there was hope there for me, and I was able to ask him. Temporary, and um, and he said, "Sure, let's try it out." And that's what I needed, see, because I didn't need a permanent thing. I was, you know, I wasn't around here for a permanent thing. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I found out there were twelve steps, it was twelve months. I'm out of here. <laughs> I mean, that was my timeline. And um, but um, and that's really when the relationship started to build. And it was with him that I was able to do my fourth step and fifth step. And uh, I'll never forget it. The day that I did my fifth step with him, and of course I had this whole thing planned and we went out to lunch and we did it, you know, thing, the whole bit. But uh, what was wonderful for me is that he was uh, of a different faith than I and uh, came at things so totally different. And I was just so grateful because some of the stuff that I had so much judgment around, uh, he was just able to see clearly and give me some insight that I just didn't know. And um, But um, that night, I, I mean, I was on top of the... I must have been like three feet off the ground and just, oh, everything was out and I just felt great. But uh, unfortunately, with all this planning, I forgot to put out my garbage, my rubbish. And I said, well, I know what I'll do. I'll just stick it in my, my uh, trunk and I'll go to my uh, meeting, my, my Tuesday night meeting. And on the way back, I'll throw it in a dumpster and, you know, that'll be that. So that's what I did. 
And I woke up the next day and what was sitting in my driveway but the bag of garbage and trash. And to me, that's said a lot about the 12 steps is that it's one thing to get it out, but then you've got to do something about it. And those things that, you know, we worked through, and it was just so strange. Evidently, there was, you know, an envelope with my address, and they took the time to hand-deliver it to my home. And there it was. <laughs> so I can't believe someone would take that amount of time and, you know, all the judgment. But I just, I, I clearly saw that God was talking in my life. Is that, okay, Rich, that was a wonderful experience. What are you going to do about it? There's some stuff here that needs to be worked. What are you going to do about it? And, uh, and that was wonderful. There was another experience that I'll, I'll share with you. And that was when I uh, went to uh, one of my first Al-Anon conventions down on, uh, on the Cape. And uh, Bo and I were uh, sharing about um, uh, some things last night. But um, they had wonderful, wonderful conventions down in Hyannis. And, but... Uh, one year, um, or the year I was going, uh, it happened to also be my birthday. And so, um, you know, I was debating whether I would go and really make this kind of commitment and stuff. And uh, so I started asking some people in the program and guys that I'd been coming around with. Um, and uh, so I went up to one guy and I said, you know, are you thinking about going down the Cape for the convention? He said, you know, I was. He said, but my birthday that weekend. I said, no way. I said, what, what day is your birthday? He said, April 22nd. So is mine. So I went to another meeting and I was talking to another buddy of mine and I said, you know, are you thinking I'm going down to the convention? He said, yeah, I was. He said, but my sister's coming in. It's my birthday this weekend. That weekend. <laughs> I said, no way. What day? He said, April 22nd. I said, so is mine. So I, um, at the time, I you know was doing a lot of fifth step and six, and actually making, uh, uh, doing some work around amends. And I went into an Irish shop on Massachusetts Avenue uh, in Cambridge, and um, I, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, little boys always wanted to do, or always I always wanted to do, was to buy my mother a dress, and never had the opportunity to do that. Uh, and uh, so I went into a uh, Irish shop and I picked out this beautiful scarf. It was uh, blue and sea green uh, and um, you know like a gray and it's just a real handsome scarf. I put it up against the uh, the mirror and you know the tears started to come and um, so I started to tell the shopkeeper you know the story and I said you know I've I always wanted to do this and. So this is for me, a gift for me for my birthday. And she said, well, when's your birthday? I said, April 22nd. She said, so is mine. <laughs> so I went, I went down the, I, I decided to go down the Cape and Trish and I went down together and we stayed at an inn uh, not too far from the uh, Tara, which is where the convention was being held. And uh, that evening, uh, we came back and the innkeeper were sitting around as, you know, the innkeepers do. And they said, you know, the woman there said, gee, what would you guys like for breakfast in the morning? And I said, well, I said, 
I grew up uh, in a uh, home where my grandmother was there, and every morning for my breakfast, uh, when it was my birthday, she would make a special breakfast, and she'd make me griddle cakes, which are pancakes. She said, when is your birthday? I said, tomorrow. She said, so is mine. And so the last day of the convention, I was walking out, and there uh, was a uh, what I fondly refer to as a god lady, Barbara. I'll never forget her. She really helped me do a lot of uh, work on, on grief and stuff. But you know, I went up and I you know I was kind of babbling, and I was on this high from the you know several days, and so I started to share the story, and she she looked at me very clearly, and she said, God has so many ways of touching us. And it was just so clear to me that I was being, you know, sort of the, the message was you're okay. You're going to be okay. And um, I'll never forget it. And um, it's just, you know, for me, part of the awakenings is that we're open to these things. That when I was in a fog, I didn't have a clue. I was so wrapped up with what's going on in my life, what injuries are occurring in my life, that I just missed all this stuff. That was that God was just sending people in to say, you're okay. Things are okay. And, um, and, and um, I, I'm just so grateful. But to, to, to bring it back for me, is uh, there's a particular reading that I'd like to uh, close off with and relating back to, for me, around the whole notion of passing it on. Um, because uh, we don't have to pass on uh, the disease. Uh, I think sometimes there was um, a joke. I was joking with a buddy of mine who they got married in the program and had children in the program. And one day we're sitting around and said, you know, someday our children are going to be sitting in a 12-step program for adult children of parents who went through 12-step programs. <laughs> so, <laughs> now all that we heard was keep it simple, you know, easy backwards. And, um, you know, but, um, but, but we can pass on our experience, strength, and hope. And that's, it, you know, we can stop the, the cycle. And that's, for me, the hope of this program. Uh, I'm just, I'm so uh, blessed that I kept coming. I don't know why. Uh, I have not a clue. Uh, but I do. Uh, I don't know why I keep showing up on Tuesday nights. I, if I miss any other meeting... I try to make that meeting, uh, and uh, it's just—it's wonderful to look out and see so many members of that meeting here, uh, who I consider uh, to be my uh, home group. But uh, there was one reading that I'd like to uh, to end with, uh, and that uh, is uh, January 16th uh, in the One Day at a Time. And it says, uh, "I pray to learn the way to see myself as a child of God." Bearing in my heart and mind the dignity and grace he has conferred upon every one of his children. Let me learn to live up to this picture of perfection a little at a time, but always going forward. God bless you. Keep coming. <laughs>